This is the message from Connection Community Church for the week of March 14th, 2010. East of Eden, God hears our cries. So, after, after Cain murdered his brother Abel, the Lord told him that he was under a curse and he would be driven from the ground that no longer would yield its crops to him. That's kind of tough. If your livelihood is farming, which his was, he would be a restless wanderer in the land of Nod. And so Cain cried out to the Lord, fearing that those who might find him as he wandered would want to kill him. And the Lord heard his cry, and the Lord made a mark on him that whoever found him would not kill him. You know, even though even though Cain would be wandering east of Eden, even though he would be, was, and would be very far from the Lord, God marked him and God claimed him as his. You see, God heard his cry and God acted on that cry and God delivered him. That's our focus this morning. As we journey east of Eden, God hears our cries. Well, good morning, Connection Church. (laughs) My name is Carrie Jones. I'm Alan Jones. And we are two sinners who have been saved by the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Would you pray with us, please? God, we thank you for today, for this day. It's, It's a great day. Now open our hearts so that we might receive your word For each one of us, and that we might be changed and transformed by it. Pray that in the name of Jesus and by the power of the Holy Spirit. And all of Connection Church said, Amen. Amen. To cry, to cry. For many of us, it's the first thing we do when we enter the world. That granddaughter who's coming, chances are good, that might be the first utterance out of her. And, you know, if it's not the first thing, it doesn't take long to become an important of our, part of our repertoire. Do I get an amen from that from the parents here? Yeah. For a baby, it's one of probably the most important means of their communication. Let's us know when they're hungry, angry, lonely, tired, uncomfortable, in need of a little diaper attention. The list goes on. As a parent, we come to recognize those different types of cries. You come to understand what the baby's trying to tell you most of the time. <laughs> most of the time. <laughs> and even though we use other forms of communication as we get older and more mature, we continue to use this basic form of communication for the rest of our lives. Our crying includes tears at times, but not always. Just as a parent always hears the cries of their baby, so God hears the cries of God's people. The cries of you and me. Sometimes we have to wonder if God really does hear our cries. Because he often doesn't respond as quickly as we would like. As we shared three weeks ago, we often wonder if God is even there. 
The thing is, we might not feel Him, but He feels us. We might not see Him, but He sees us. We might not hear Him, but He hears us. He hears our cries. Perhaps one of the most well-known scriptures, an example of God hearing the cries of his people is found in the book of Exodus. That's at the beginning of the Bible, and it's Exodus chapter 2. Years passed, and the king of Egypt died. But the Israelites continued to groan under their burden of slavery. They cried out. Yeah, they cried out for help. And their cry rose up to God. They heard their groaning, and he remembered his covenant promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He looked down on the people of Israel and knew it was time to act. The Hebrew people sure weren't living the dream at this point, were they? No. And so they were crying out, and God heard their cries. It's not like God had forgotten his people or that their cry was a surprise. Way back, way, way back, long before their 400 years of slavery even began in Egypt, back in the days of Abraham, back even before he was called Abraham, back then he was called Abram, Scripture tells us he fell into a deep sleep one day. We're told uh, a thick and dreadful darkness came over him. And then the Lord said to Abram, you can be sure, now this is before he even had a kid, (laughs) you can be sure that your descendants will be strangers in a foreign land where they will be oppressed as slaves for 400 years. But I will punish the nation that enslaves them And in the end, they will come away with great wealth. As for you, you will die in peace and be buried at a ripe old age. After four generations, your descendants will return here to this land, for the sins of the Amorites do not yet warrant their destruction. And so God was was not surprised by the cries of the Hebrews enslaved in Egypt. In fact, I'm sure that God expected to hear the cries of the people. I mean, 400 years enslaved. That's a really long, long time. Long time to be enslaved. We think that we have to wait a long time for God. 400 years. Wow. Why so long? We don't know. But God knows. God knows, and God's timing is always perfect. Can you say that with me? God's timing is always perfect. And so God heard the cries, but he didn't just hear the cries. He acted on the cries. He gave Moses an offer that Moses couldn't refuse, even though he tried. (laughs) And, and, And Moses becomes God's change agent for freeing the Hebrew people who were enslaved under Pharaoh in Egypt. And so they leave Egypt and Pharaoh in the dust, or in the sand, as it were, and and they head for the promised land. And so they're free, and they're on their way, they're freed, and they've barely crossed the Red Sea, 
when they were already complaining yeah. because they didn't have any food. Now, we would probably complain about that it's probably justified. as well. Yeah. And God, once again, not only heard their cries, but responded to their cry. They had quail and they had manna every single day for the next 40 years. <laughs> I wonder, the kid goes in, Mom, what's for dinner? Well, duh, <laughs> what's it been for the last 20 years? What do you think it's going to be? Oh, my goodness, I bet that got old, don't you? Yeah, it was a pretty <laughs> limited diet. <laughs> oh my but God. nonetheless, God heard their cries, and God responded to their need. Okay. So that's one of our really well-known um, cries that God heard. And freed all those, gosh, uh, they estimate maybe two million people. Well, many years later, 587 B.C., all of Judah, including the city of Jerusalem, fell to the Babylonians. Scripture tells us this happened because of the unfaithfulness of the people of Judah. Because of that, God handed them over to King Nebuchadnezzar. Maybe you've heard that name before. King Nebuchadnezzar, who also destroyed the temple. Isn't it incredible that God, to make a point for the people, would allow his own temple to be destroyed? The Babylonians took over, not by killing and slaughtering everybody there. It was much more subtle. They took over by taking the best and the brightest and exiling them back to Babylon hoping to have them mix, mingle, and marry with the Babylonians. You know, the Bible characters of Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, maybe you've heard of them, they are some of those young men, in this case, who were exiled, some of the best and the brightest who were exiled to Babylon at this time. Psalm 137 does a really good job of capturing the heart of the Hebrew people who were living in exile in Babylon as a result of this. By the rivers of Babylon, we sat and wept when we remembered Zion. There on the poplars, we hung our harps. For there, our captors asked us for songs. Our tormentors demanded songs of joy. They said, sing us one of those songs of Zion. How can we sing the songs of the Lord while in a foreign land? If I forget you, O Jerusalem, may my right hand forget its skill. May my tongue cling to the roof of my mouth if I do not remember you. If I do not consider Jerusalem my highest joy. Remember, O Lord, what the Edomites did on the day Jerusalem fell. Tear it down, they cried. Tear it down to its foundations. O daughter of Babylon, doomed to destruction, happy is he who repays you for what you have done to us. He who seizes your infants and dashes them against the rocks. That's pretty intense, isn't it? Can you hear the pain? Just just by that last line, how, how much someone must be in pain and crying out to say something like that about children. Crying out to God. 
See, for these people, Jerusalem is where God lives, where Jerusalem is God's place. And they don't know how they can possibly worship so far away in a foreign land in Babylon when they're thinking that God is many, many miles away back in Jerusalem. Once again, God hears their cries. Now, not until 50 years after the exile, and that's when the Persians come in and they conquer Babylon, and God works through this Persian leader called Cyrus. Here's what we're told. In the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, in order to fulfill the word of the Lord spoken by the uh, prophet Jeremiah, the Lord moved the heart of Cyrus, king of Persia, to make a proclamation throughout his realm and to put everything in writing. This is what Cyrus, king of Persia, says, The Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth, and he has appointed me to build a temple for him at Jerusalem in Judah. Any one of his people among you, may his God be with him, and let him go to Jerusalem and Judah and build the temple of the Lord, the God of Israel, the God who is in Jerusalem. And the people of any place where survivors may now be living are to provide him with silver and gold, with goods and livestock, and with freewill offerings for the temple of God in Jerusalem. Isn't that incredible? This foreign guy who the God of Israel, I, I don't think that's even his God, but that God has, our God has spoken to him to do this, and he is open and has responded. It's incredible. And so God works through this Persian leader to answer the cries of his people, to return those who choose to return to Jerusalem and to rebuild his temple. The people probably thought 50 years was a long time to be exiled, but once again, the timing was perfect because it was God's timing, and God's timing is perfect. Say that with me. God's timing is perfect. You know, throughout the Old Testament, we hear the cries of the people, and we see God responding to their cries. Read through the Psalms sometime, and you'll see over and over again this happen. Like like Psalm 40, uh, verse 1, New International Version. I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me, and He heard my cry. Psalm 116, 1 through 3. Say this one with me, will you? I love love the the Lord, for for He he heard heard my voice. He heard my cry for mercy. Both of those are songs we sang, I don't know, 10, 15 years ago in, in, in church. Let's say that again. I love, love the, Lord, the Lord, for he, he heard my voice. He heard my cry for mercy. A cry for mercy. That seems, if you read through the Psalms, the most often heard cry is the cry for mercy. Mercy. God heard. God heard the cry that, that Cain had. God heard Cain's cry. He heard the cries of those who were exiled, enslaved, actually, enslaved in Egypt. And then he heard the cries of those who were exiled in Babylon. We read through the Bible 
over and over and over again, page after page after page, how God hears the cries of God's people. And so he hears our cries. He hears your cries and your cries and your cries. He hears our cries. God hears our cries. We might not think that God hears us, especially when God doesn't act as quickly as we want God to act. But God hears. That's a promise in the scripture. That's absolute. God's nature is one that God cannot not hear. In fact, this is really so cool to think about. God hears our cries long before we even utter a whimper. God hears our cries before we even shed our first tear. God hears our cries. You know, when we're east of Eden, when we're far from God, it often seems that he's far from us as well. But that's really not so, because when we're far from God, we're the one who moved. Not God. Not God. God's there. God's always there. You might not feel him or see him or hear him, but he's there. You might feel like you don't understand him, but he's there. And at times you might even feel like you don't need him, but he's there. God is there, and God hears our cries. And God so badly wanted us to know that he hears our cries, that he came to us face to face in the person of Jesus, the Christ. And Jesus hears our cries. We read that in the Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, where we see the ministry of Jesus, and he reaches out in care and compassion and mercy because people are crying out to the Lord. Jesus just doesn't hear our cries. Jesus acts. Jesus acts on our cries. You know, when we spend a lot of time east of Eden, we spend a lot of our time east of Eden, don't we? And, and, and while we're there, we, we know, we know we're separated from God, that we're far from God. And, and, and somehow, we're wired so that down, down deep at the very core of our souls, we know that east of Eden, far from God, is not where we're supposed to be, even though that's where we often find ourselves. Something inside tells us this ain't good. And so we cry out. And we cry out to the Lord. We, we cry out to Jesus. And, and, and the cry, and we might not even know this, but this is, this is basically what we're crying because down deep we even recognize this. We would cry, Lord, I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner. That's what's put me east of Eden. 
I'm a sinner, and I need to be saved. I need a Savior, and the really tough part about it is I can't save myself. That's probably the toughest realization we come to is when we realize we can't save ourselves. And so as we sang earlier, we come to realize I need you, Jesus. I need you. I am broken, and I need you. And when we do that, Jesus says, I hear your cries, I hear your cries, and I'm here for you. I will have mercy on you. I will save you, and I will make you whole. I'm going to pray. Just say it with me if you can. Lord, I'm, I'm a sinner. Lord, Lord I'm, a sinner. I'm a sinner. And, 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 and the tough part is I need a Savior, and I can't save myself. I need, a, need savior, a savior, and I, I can't, can't save, save myself. myself. Uh, Jesus, I know you're the one who can save me. Jesus, I know you're the one who can save me. I need you. I need you. I need you. I need you, Jesus. I need you. I need you, Jesus. I need you. And you know, Jesus hears our cries. Jesus hears our cries. And, 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 and he says, I have mercy on you. And Jesus says, I can make you whole. Jesus, I need you. I need you. I need you. Let's pray. Jesus, we do need you. <laughs> because we're broken and you're the one who makes us whole. We thank you for your mercy and for your grace. We thank you that you don't leave us or forsake us. We thank you that there's no place where we are and you're not. God, you're an awesome God, and, and you know our needs before we ask, and you knew that we needed a Savior, so you came into this world to meet us face to face. Thank you for your love, for your grace, and for your mercy. We pray this in the name of our Savior and friend, Jesus the Christ. And all Connection Church said, Amen. Thank you for taking part in sharing the message for this week. For more information about Connection Community Church, please visit our website at www.connectioncc.org. You can also reach our church offices at 302-378-7692. Connection Community Church, connecting people with Jesus and the life that he offers.